Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver, and by the way, speaking of the Grid Network, this is day one uh, on this beautiful Monday. Glad, glad to have you all with us. Uh, this is day one. I'll just go and put the graphic right off the bat, less than a minute in. This is our one-year anniversary of the Grid Network. We are having a Grid Celebration Week all week long on not just my show, Carving It Up, but all the shows on the Grid. We got me 8 o'clock spots tomorrow night at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific time. Okay, tune into that. All of our other grid shows, we're going to be celebrating throughout the week uh, the one-year anniversary of the network. We've made a whole lot of progress uh, in just one year in terms of, uh, you know, viewership and subscribers, and hopefully we can just, you know, maybe, maybe double that, you know, in the next year, and maybe even more so. But we have you to thank the, the incredible followers and supporters of the network and of each of our shows. So we thank you. We're going to celebrate you guys. We're going to celebrate the network throughout the week. Uh, very, very exciting. I'll tell you what else is exciting. Uh, our show. So, going to talk Russell Wilson, going to talk Denver Broncos, who fall to 0-2 after a loss to the Washington Commanders, in which they blew an 18-point lead. Not great, and uh, especially not for for Mr. Unlimited, as he once dubbed himself. I'll talk about that. Also, going to get into the entire situation regarding the Miami Dolphins going on the road, starting 2-0. Two road wins for Miami, going to New England last night and getting that W. Going to discuss that as well as a plethora of other NFL topics. Uh, Going to react to really all the games around the NFL. Give a little brief reaction, maybe a little take on, on Colorado. Barely escaping Colorado State, albeit it was a very you know entertaining football game. So uh, and, and, of course, the end of the show, we got two Monday night games. Not one, but two. Not just this week, but next week. Tonight, the Carolina Panthers host the New Orleans Saints. And most importantly, I'm wearing my DAC hat for the podcast audience. I'll take it off for this brief moment for this promo. My Pittsburgh Steelers against the Cleveland Browns. We need this one. We need this one. Bad. Don't want to start 0-2 with two home losses. You saw the Broncos just do that. You don't want to do that. Cannot wait for today's show. By the way, before I even get into Cowboys-Jets, it was an overall great weekend in general, except for the simple fact that um, I got humbled on Saturday night with my balls losing to, to Florida. I'm, I'm upset about it. It was not a good night by any stretch of the imagination. Colorado's win, you know, in the wee hours of the morning made it a little bit better. But um, listen, to all those who want to fire Josh Heupel, shut up. You don't know football. Zip it. We're going to be great this season. We're still in the SEC East running. And the beauty of it is for Tennessee fans like myself, top of the SEC, don't, uh, it don't look great. Georgia didn't look terribly impressive. Bama looked terrible. Which I, I said Bama's overrated coming into the season, but whatever, against uh, South Florida. So the top of the SEC isn't exactly a bunch of world beaters. I'm just keeping it real with y'all, okay? Tennessee's fine. We'll, we're, we're still very much in the running. We just cursed at the swamp. That's what it, We're cursing the swamp. I, I've submitted to that. Let's get to football. But first, okay, I haven't played this soundbite in a while, but you know, I, I, think, it's, I think it's more than, um, more than warranted today. Uh, how do you feel, uh, Hall of Fame head coach Jimmy Johnson? Yeah, that was that was impressive. Dallas Cowboys 2 and 0, 30 to 10 win over the New York Jets on Sunday afternoon in Big D, the you know, the home opener at Jerry World. Dallas Dallas looked good. Dallas' defense once again put on a clinic. Uh, in this case, it not quite as surprising uh given what they obviously did to the Giants last week. I'll give a little reaction to the Giants later in the show, but 
took care of the business, get the Giants last week. Listen, they're playing a backup quarterback as Zach Wilson, a backup who I think is more like a third stringer. I've made the argument uh, that Mike Green Greenberg, who's a big uh, big New York Jets fan, said on ESPN Today that Zach Wilson's probably not really an NFL quarterback. And I, I don't want to be mean to the kid because he seemed like he's really matured and props to him. He's not an NFL quarterback. Dallas took advantage. They picked him off three times. Micah Parsons was absolutely everywhere once again. Uh, I don't think it is nuts to say, and I'm dead serious, that not only is Micah Parsons, and by the way, I picked TJ Watt to win defensive player of the year before the season. By the way, we're only in week two. We got a lot of football left to play. I said TJ would break Strahan's sack record. He's more than on his way to do that. But I think Micah Parsons today is not just the front runner to win Defensive Player of the Year. I think it's not nuts to say he's in the MVP discussion. And I'm dead serious. What he's doing for that Cowboys defense is incredible. Uh, and I'll get to sort of Dallas's outlook on the season because a lot of folks are debating who's better, Dallas, San Francisco. I'll sort of touch on that briefly at the end of the segment. What caught me, I shouldn't say caught me off guard, what I thought was most impressive about Dallas's win. I expected their defense to be good. Given what they did last week, given the personnel that they've got, they've got arguably a top two defense in the NFL. It's probably between them and the Niners, in all honesty, at number one. I expect them to do this to Zach Wilson. I mean, I did. Listen, Buffalo's not as good as Dallas, and they mostly shut Zach Wilson down. They, they, they did. It's just Josh Allen gave the football game away. And speaking of which, you know, a lot of folks are saying, oh, you're crazy for putting Dak Prescott for Josh Allen. Am I? Oh, because uh, a defense that picked off Josh Allen four times, forced him to fumble twice. One of them didn't, they didn't call. The other they did, and it cost the Bills three points. Uh, Dak Prescott against that exact same defense. Quentin Williams is there, and Sauce Gardner is there, and DJ Reed is, is there, and... Listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do the, the the big belting version of this, but just say it with me. You guys, you guys know the drill. It's been a while since I've done this, okay? You know his name. What is Dak Prescott's government name? Rain Dakota Prescott completed 82% of his passes for 255 yards, a couple tutties, no turnovers. More on that later. A passer rating of 112 and a QBR 0 to 100 of 87. This against one of the best defenses in football. This against a defense that... You know, Josh Allen struggled mightily against. But this isn't about Josh Allen. This is about Dak Prescott. And this is about the Dallas Cowboys offense. And the, part of the reason I had Dallas getting to the Super Bowl this year, not winning it, but getting there, is the fact that when you have such a oh, sorry, substantial change in offensive coordinator, move on from Kellen Moore, you decide to go with, with Mike McCarthy uh, calling the plays for the first time since he was the head coach back in Green Bay, you now have a situation in which he's going to play to Dak Prescott's strengths. Kelmore was focused on, let's score a lot of points, let's make the stats look pretty, let's make the plays look pretty. Problem is, if it doesn't, it's a disaster. Mike McCarthy's like, why, should, why, why would I want to make it harder on Dak Prescott? While Dak is a top 10 quarterback, I think undeniably, he's not Mahomes. He's not, <laughs> I don't think this is that much of a gap here, but he's not Joe Burrow, he's not Lawrence or Jalen Hurts. He's an elite quarterback, a top 10 guy. But he's not, his talent is not going to blow you out of the water. What Dak Prescott is able to do is, if you, you know, if you put him in position to succeed, you put him in position to where, is he capable of making the tough throws? Yes, and he made plenty of those yesterday. But let's, let's free up CeeDee Lamb. Let's make, allow him to make plays with some of the tight ends they used down in the red zone. Let's put him in position where he's not having to make tough throws. Why should we make it harder on our quarterback? The whole point of coaching is to make it easier for, for your players. That's why what San Francisco's doing, again, more on them later in the show, is remarkable. 
I mean, all these players, and it looks, it looks easy almost in San Francisco. Mike McCarthy, in a sense, is kind of doing the same thing with Dak. They got the running game going, offensive line, which was a little bit of a concern of mine coming into the season, dominated the Jets up front, particularly Zach Martin against Quinnen Williams. Listen, Quinnen Williams is an elite football player. Zach Martin got the best of him yesterday. He was outstanding. And props to Jerry for paying him just a couple weeks before the season started. But receivers were getting open. Offense was crisp. Again, they made it look easy against the Jets. This isn't, you can make the argument last week against the Giants, like, I mean, the Giants... Defense is kind of middle of the road. We saw them really struggle yesterday against Arizona in the first half. Dallas kind of played conservative. They were playing conservative. They had Dak Prescott throw the ball 38 times. As a matter of fact, it was, wasn't it that weird stat like, oh, if Dak throws over 30 times, you're almost assuredly going to lose. And they won by 20. Anyways, the offense looked easier for Dak. The offense looked crisper. Uh, the running game was, was good. And something that I loved about... I think it was. It might have been Ryan Flowers. We have a grid group chat. Again, grid celebration week. Uh, it might have been Ryan Flowers, host of Clutch Sports Talk. If, if not, you know, correct me if I'm wrong uh, to, to my grid teammates. But Ryan was saying, you know, th what's great about Mike McCarthy is that he sticks to the run. He's not going to overly rely on the run because that's, that's not going to win you football games the highest level. But if it's maybe not working great, he's going to stick to it. Now, if it's not working at all, he's going to abandon it, of course, we assume in the future. But establish a run game. You know, don't put yourself in second and ten situations like Kellen Moore did to Justin Herbert yesterday in overtime. Make things easier for Dak. Make it harder. Even Andy Reid, he's not asking Mahomes to be Superman every single play. He's developing high percentage completions. You know, in order to get the offense in uh, in a rhythm, get the receivers going, get Mahomes going, build the confidence there, and then every now and then Mahomes will make a play that defies logic. Of course, Dak Prescott, once again, is no Patrick Mahomes. But it's that same sort of ideology and philosophy that Mike McCarthy is instituting for this Cowboys offense. That was my biggest takeaway. Again, the Cowboys defense was supposed to be good. And aside from one big play to Garrett Wilson, it was incredible. Again, three turnovers. Micah was everywhere. Jets never really got that much of a running game going, in part because they never committed to the run with Brees Hall. You can blame Nathaniel Hackett for a lot of all that. But... Dallas going up and down the field. I had Dallas scoring 34. Again, they scored 30 in the game. I thought it was going to be in large part, you'd have a defensive touchdown. You'd have a bunch of turnovers put Dallas in a situation where it's like a, they're in the red zone. They don't have to go very far. No, Dallas is going up and down the field. If you look at Dallas's touchdown drives, uh, again, first drive of the game went 75 yards, touchdown. Later on, they had a 14-play, 78-yard drive. Took about six and a half minutes off the clock. That was a touchdown toward uh, toward the end of the half. Uh, they had a 12-play drive that went 55 yards. Got a field goal. Um, now they got you know off off a fumble. They took you know they uh, they got a field goal out of that. But a 12-play, 71-yard drive, another field goal. Like Dallas is going up and down the field against a in, not very good an elite defense with elite players and personnel. So that was, I heard a lot of last week, and I said all of last week when there was this, oh, Dak didn't look, look great, and completion percentage isn't good, and you know they're, they're not generating a whole lot of big plays. And my takeaway was, why do they have to? They played the Giants. Defense got him a, turn, uh, got him a touchdown off a turnover. Uh, special teams created a touchdown uh, off of a blocked kick. Why should Dallas, why should, and this was the difference between Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy. Kellen Moore's like, if, if you're up 26 nothing, hey, let's take multiple bomb shots down the field. Let's, let's make Dak make contested throws where maybe one gets picked and the team gets some momentum and gets back in the game. McCarthy's like, guys, we, the only way we blow this is if we, literally, if we screw ourselves over. There's no need to do that. And so what I saw from Dallas yesterday offensively, very impressive in my view. Um, and here's the thing for the Cowboys. So 
There is a debate about who's the best in the NFC. Is it Dallas? Is it San Francisco? I think San Francisco is the better roster. I've said all offseason and even last season, I literally don't know where their weakness is. Um, I I don't think Dallas necessarily has a weakness, but like they're not near as good at tight end as San Francisco. That goes without saying. Um, But, you know, they're better at quarterback. And I love Purdy, but they're better at quarterback than San Francisco is. But I don't know what the Niners' weakness is in the roster. The beauty of it is, week five, these two teams play even better. I don't think either team is going to get tested the next two weeks. If you look at Dallas's upcoming schedule, they got at the Cardinals against my man, it's Joshua Space Dobbs, who looks good, ladies and gentlemen. But you got on the road against Arizona, Dallas going to win that game. They got home against Mac Jones, the Patriots, Dallas going to win that game. That, that, that goes without saying. On the other hand, for San Francisco, you, you look at their upcoming schedule. You got the Giants in a short week. Giants are going to have Saquon. Niners going to win that. And the Niners got the Cardinals. They'll win that one as well. So both teams are going to go into this football game in week five, 4-0, Sunday night football, standalone game, and we get to decide who the better team is. Today, I give San Francisco the slight edge simply due to track record, simply due to the fact that they have beaten Dallas the last two years in the playoffs, and they've looked impressive in both of, both of their wins. Not to say Dallas has it, but I think the level of competition San Francisco's played is better than Dallas. Now, Dallas can only play who's on their schedule, of course, but that's the only reason I'd, set, I'd you know, put the Niners slightly above the Cowboys. The beauty of it is Dallas can prove me wrong. Dallas can put themselves in a position to be 5-0, and but if both teams do what they're supposed to the next couple weeks, that's two 4-0 teams, probably the best two teams in football by that point, although, as I'll get into in my second segment, Miami's making a pretty darn strong case that they're in that discussion as well as the best team in football. But what Dallas is doing, I'm seeing a lot of people, ah, it's the Jets, it's the Giants. How many teams of the last couple weeks have we seen play lesser competition and look, eh, not not great. I mean, you know, listen, Philly played the Patriots and barely escaped with the win. So, you know, let's put that in perspective as well. My gosh, we have a lot of comments. Like I said, anytime, anytime that we get... Uh, <laughs> anytime we get uh, a Cowboys topic, this is the same case last week. A lot of comments. Okay, a lot of reaction to whatever I'm saying, good or bad. Uh, let's see. Barry's Grant Jr., who I referenced earlier in the comments. He goes, ah, Dallas. And the Cowboys camp fam, who's you know the best Cowboys podcast out there. I don't even think it's particularly close. They say one word, preach. Thank you. Uh, Barry says, Dallas is the best defense in football. He extended that a little bit. Dak played very, very well. Give me Dak over Josh Allen. We agree there, uh, Barry. Patrick Brown, another Cowboys fan. We got a lot of Cowboys fans here on the grid. Mayo Micah, the linebacker. He was spectacular, undeniably. What a, And Patrick also says, what a difference it makes in play calling. Mike McCarthy calling plays versus Kellen Moore is a change of pace. Not to mention, there's balance. No question about it. Uh, Barry says Kellen Moore plays, calls plays like somebody playing Madden on Rookie. Yes. He also says this is a gritty Dallas team. Agreed. Let's see. We got Richie Gunter in the comments. Richie says, how about them Cowboys? Played that soundbite from Jimmy Johnson earlier. Patrick, the rotation of running backs is keeping fresh legs while keeping Dak out of harm's way. Running the ball still matters. Kellen Moore didn't value the run. We tried to warn the Chargers, but... And he says they're going to regret hiring Kellen Moore's OC. Chargers need to cut bait with Brandon Staley and salvage the season. Well, bat, and then I'll get to Barry's comment in just a moment. Um, if they try, if they do fire Brandon Staley, and I'll get to the Chargers later, obviously, because I think I'm being pretty much validated on what I said before the season about them and their coaching staff in particular. Uh, if they fire Brandon Staley, you realize that probably means Kellen Moore is the head coach. So I don't know if it's exactly an upgrade one way or the other. So if they fire him, the season's officially done, if it isn't already, by the way. Um, 
It won't be to salvage their season because it's not like they're getting this substantial upgrade with Moore's head coach. And uh, Barry says, I told you about the Dolphins. It's why I'm the 8 o'clock spot champion. Listen, you do have a sizable lead. I mean, I can't deny that. I can't. By the way, 8 o'clock spot, ladies and gentlemen. Can I put up the graphic here? Where's the 8 o'clock? There it is. 8 o'clock spot tomorrow night, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific time, right here on the Grid Network. And we'll, we'll definitely have some extra fun tomorrow night because, once again, it is Grid Appreciation Week as we celebrate one year uh, here at the network. Very, very exciting. Real quick, though, before we move on to the Dolphins-Patriots game last night, uh, be sure to subscribe to, obviously, The Grid. No question about it, especially in Grid Appreciation Week. But, Carving It Up Live, we are looking to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58. Uh, we're, we're really ticking those numbers up, which is great. Subscriber, uh, I think we're up to 236 now, if I'm not mistaken. So, really making progress. Really, you know, continue to to build this show, to build uh, to, to build. Obviously, this obviously the network and then carving it up live as well. So, if you have subscribed to Carving Up, we greatly appreciate you know you for doing that. Uh, be sure to tell your friends, to tell their friends, to tell their family members, to tell their cousins, to tell their wife, to tell their their niece, to tell their brother to subscribe to Carving Up Live. Also, if you have not subscribed to Carving Up Live, it just takes you a couple seconds, my man or or ma'am. Subscribe to Carving Up Live. Take two seconds out of your day. Subscribe to the channel. Let's talk about Miami. They look good. Like, they look really good. And with the unfortunate injury to Aaron Rodgers, I had the Dolphins getting the playoffs, but I had the Jets winning the division. But with the unfortunate injury to Aaron Rodgers, I think this team is going to win the division and win it quite easily. Knock on wood if everybody, particularly Tua, stays healthy. But they go on the road in my, uh, again, my favorite segment of the week, which is... And I said the Dolphins would cover, so thank you, Miami Dolphins. But they won in New England 24-17 in Foxborough over the Patriots. I'll touch on the Patriots later, but we kind of know what they are. They're very, 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 very limited and not that well coached. But the point is, let's talk about a team that is well coached and has excellent players. That's the Miami Dolphins. So, Tua played relatively well. Completed uh, 21 uh, of 30 uh, of, of his passes, 70% completion, which is excellent. 249 yards, a touchdown, uh, a pick. And while, it, obviously, it was it was a pick, my man Christian Gonzalez, who I loved out of the draft out of Oregon, made an incredible play in the fourth quarter, leaping over, I forgot who it was. I think it was Tyreek uh, down the left sideline to make that play. It was excellent. Uh, Q, uh, QBR 75, which is, is pretty good, 0 to 100. Pass rating of 92, which is solid there. Um, so, listen, we know Belichick defenses are... Always good year to year, and that's what I expected. Uh, you know, throughout the season, at least New England's defense would be good and keep them in a lot of games. And it has the last two. Just the offense hasn't come along for the ride. What I have been most impressed by with the Miami Dolphins, and frankly, it's the reason I think they're the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs, who I'll get into in the next segment, is that they they added an aspect to their game, and it's not like they didn't already have the personnel to do it, but I think they even more so now, and it kind of makes sense given Mike McDaniel, the head coach's background. It makes a lot of sense why they do this. The Dolphins have now added a legitimate, like really good running game to what was already an explosive offense in the passing game. Again, we saw what two and Tyreek did last week against a clueless defensive mind in Brandon Staley. Belichick is not Brandon Staley when it comes to coaching defense, obviously. So you knew he was going to be he was going to put more attention on Tyreek Hill, who, by the way, had a you know okay game, didn't exactly you know have a big explosive day, five catches, forty yards. But again, I said Jalen Waddle, I thought would have a big game. I said he'd catch a couple touchdowns. He did not. But Ty and by the way, Tyreek did have a touchdown. But Belichick bobbled up Tyreek, which opened it up for Waddle, who unfortunately went into concussion protocol. Uh, I think today. So obviously, wish him the very best. He can get back as soon as possible for the Dolphins. 
Um, I'll reiterate about Tua. Well, actually, let me talk about the running game. What I think was impressive about the running game is that this is a Patriots defense that against the Philadelphia Eagles, maybe a, what, a top three, four running football team in the NFL. We saw what they did to the Vikings last week, this past Thursday. They were running up and down the field. DeAndre Swift and what they were doing with that offensive line. And New England mostly kept them contained. I mean, they did, a, and I know it's a rainstorm, or when a rainstorm it was just kind of wet and rainy in Foxborough, but they did a pretty solid job on Philadelphia. They could not stop Miami. Whether that was because they were paying so much attention to Tyreek and because they said basically, we're just going to be, get, if we get beat by Miami, it's going to be because they beat us on these long, methodical drives, which they kind of did for the for, for majority of the night. But Raheem Mostert had a big night, uh, eight, 18 carries for 121 yards, had a big rushing touchdown there in the second half, a couple touchdowns uh, in total. But the way Miami's been able to develop this running game, and again, Mike McDaniel is from the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, and I don't think there's any run designer more creative and better than Kyle Shanahan. And Mike McDaniel comes from that tree. He was the Niners offensive coordinator just a couple of years ago, and so he has kind of a background in that. But I'll reiterate with Tua what I said Last week, and while you didn't see it quite as much because it's Foxborough, probably you know, kind of I shouldn't say nasty weather, but not perfect weather. Certainly, it's not like playing in a dome. Uh, Sunday night football, it's Boston. We understand how that works. What has blown me away about Tua is the <laughs> I knew he had a solid arm. What I've seen the last couple weeks, I haven't seen before from Tua, even dating back to his days in Alabama. <sighs> I'm not, listen, he's not Josh Allen in terms of arm talent. Dude is throwing missiles out there. I mean, whether it's deep balls, whether it's over the middle, I mean, guy is making some tough, tough throws uh, to, some of these, to some of these wide receiving targets. By the way, I thought uh, Miami did a good job as well getting that one kid. Um, they got a couple of guys involved, uh, Braxton Berrios and, and uh, um, uh, the, the River kid, I don't know, uh, uh, River Craycraft, I guess, I guess is how you say his name, did a good job getting those guys involved as well when the attention was paid so much to Tyreek Hill. But these screenplays, these get the ball out of your hands quickly, it's kind of a little bit similar to Dallas in that regard, like get the ball out of your hands quick, let these receivers go make plays, and occasionally we're going to ask Tua or Dak, like I was talking about earlier, to make the occasional tough throw, and both, both guys are fully capable of making that. But I don't know if it's Tua putting on muscle in the offseason, which he very clearly has, but guy looks accurate. Guy's taking shots down the field. Guy's making tough throws over the middle. Um, you got to love that you're seeing from Miami. And listen, when you look at the AFC today, albeit we're two weeks in, we still got 15 weeks to go, a lot can happen. But I still have the Kansas City Chiefs as the favorite in the conference. I do. More on that later. Miami, to me, today, today is the biggest threat. Passing game's great. Two is healthy. Knock on wood for him. And now they have a running game. Remember, Miami last year was about middle of the pack. They were, I think they were 15th, 16th, 16th in the league in terms of yards rushing per game. It was kind of a lot of, hey, Tua, go do it by yourself. But Mike McDaniel went in the offseason. Was like, we see, was like, okay, I got a quarterback coming off of multiple concussion problems last year who has an injury history. Let's take a little bit of the weight off of him. If I do that, we can be an even more dynamic offense and a more uh, diversified offense to a certain extent. We can do more. They, they address the offensive line they have the last couple of years. Obviously, we know what Tyreek and Waddle bring to the table, but I really liked what I saw from the Miami Dolphins last night, and I think this is a team that's, that's you know, if you look at their, we talk about Dallas's upcoming schedule and the Niners' upcoming schedule, you look at Miami's upcoming schedule, they're better, undeniably better, by the way, than all four of the next, you know, the next four teams they play. They got 0-2 Denver 
in Miami next week. They got at the Bills. They're better than the Bills. Home against the Giants, home against the Panthers. And then they have a big, their next Sunday night game happens to be against the defending NFC champion Eagles in Philadelphia. And that is on October 22nd, so it'll be a little chilly in Philadelphia, uh, you know, bordering on cold because it is, you know, out east at night, uh, up east at night, rather. But that'll be a tough test for them. But the next four games, they should take care of business. Um, they're, they're absolutely better than Denver, Buffalo, the Giants, and the Panthers. So for Miami, you got to feel great about where you're at as a roster in terms of what your identity is. I talked about this last week with Philly, right? Like Philly knows what they are. Miami knows what they are. As for New England, they I'm not sure they know what they are. Uh, I, I do, though. <laughs> They're very limited at quarterback. Mac Jones didn't have a particularly great night. Had a really bad interception. Running game wasn't terribly you know effective. They didn't commit to it uh, all that much uh, relative to how many times Mac Jones threw the ball. They're limited at wide receiver. I mean, I, I cannot tell you how many times during the night Chris Collinsworth keeps referring to Kendrick Bourne as Patriots' best receiver, Patriots' best receiver. He's not wrong, but if Kendrick Bourne's your best receiver, you, you've you got some serious, serious issues on the outside. Bill O'Brien had some really questionable play calls. They had that play, gosh, it was it was the third and short or fourth and short where they ran. I mean, again, it's, it's, it's by that much they need to get the first down, and he runs an outside reverse. Listen, I, I'm not saying you should just run it up the gut, eye formation, but at least be a little more creative. And I don't know if if that type of play call was was terribly creative in that regard. But listen, New England's limited. Bell, I mean, the most entertaining play or moment rather of the Patriots season through two games is Bill Belichick Gronk spiking a um, a challenge flag <laughs> right at the foot of a ref, uh, which I thought was 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 pretty hilarious. It was the ultimate Belichick moment, but. Listen, New England is, is kind of who I thought they were. I, I figured they'd lose their first couple of games. They got the Jets at the Jets next week. Uh, that's a game that with Aaron Rodgers, I'd obviously pick the Jets. But uh, obviously with Zach Wilson now, uh, we could very well get... Remember when Zach and Mac? That is not a good combination of quarterback play. When they played last year, it's it, it's the game that became known for why Zach Wilson got benched because he was asked, hey, do, 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 you know, do you take any responsibility for the loss? And he said no, and Zach Wilson got benched for Mike White. It was that game where Mac and Zach squared off and the ball game was tied three points to three points with seconds remaining in regulation and then the kid for New England returns it for a touchdown to, to win it for the Patriots. We could be in for a... Whew, we could be in for a rough one. Uh, next next week in, in in the Meadowlands. Okay, so, so my guy Alfred works here at the grid and you know works at Jets home games. This may be a rough one, buddy. Whoever wins, this is gonna be a rough one. God, I hate that Rogers got hurt. Okay. Got a couple of comments here. Patrick Brown says Mahomes got a reworked contract, two hundred ten million over the next four years. Yes, I saw that. A few hours ago, I was doing my research for the show, came across my phone. Listen, he's Mahomes is one of those athletes in sports that is a blank check guy. You say, hey, what do you want? You know, Kansas City goes to the negotiating table. Hey, Mal hey Patrick, what do you want? You're like, we're not going to we're not be penny pinchers for the most talented quarterback to ever play the game who's won us two Super Bowls, okay? Like, we're not going to we're not going to do that. Patrick, Miami has New England's number. I had 31-17, but the Dolphins won 24-17. Miami is likely winning the division for sure. If Tua can stay healthy, Miami can make a deep playoff run. Stay tuned. They absolutely can make a deep playoff run. And by the way, the defense is better. Um, not among the best in the AFC. One of those I'm about to get into in just a moment in uh, in Kansas City, who beat, you know, beat Jacksonville yesterday, but 
Miami's got a good defense. I thought uh, Bradley Chubb, who they traded for last season, had a really good game. And listen, Miami's very talented, so they absolutely, uh, absolutely can go on a playoff run. Uh, Richie Gunter in the comments. Miami will be a problem for everybody once they remain healthy. Very explosive players. Do the Dolphins play the Chiefs, by the way, this season? I, I can't remember if they do. It's, it seems like they do. Let me check. Oh, dang it. They play in freaking... Is, this, is it Germany? Good for the German fans. They, they get a, a great matchup, but man, can, can they like reschedule that game? Can they put like the, uh, uh, I mean, because Kansas City is obviously kind of the, the, the watch of the league. Um, could they put a Jets or a Chiefs home game, another Chiefs home game in Germany? Because like, I feel like if we get Dolphins Chiefs, they're playing as well as they're playing right now. Or uh, Kansas City's not playing that great in offense, but you know, we assume by November they'll get it together. Can we get that in the States? Because remember, I don't know what the NFL was doing in terms of the scheduling where Tyree Kill was going to make his return to Arrowhead Stadium and they put the game in Germany. Like it was, I think it was, is it Munich? I think is where the game's at. Like that, that was weird. But NFL is usually, they have some schedule making masters working for them. That was, that was a gaffe. So we may have the two best teams, the AFC playing if you're on the West Coast at 630 in the morning. So not terribly convenient. Out East, it'll be at 9.30 a.m. on NFL Network, but what ifs? That'll be a good one, though. If both teams are healthy, it'll be a good one. Also, and this sticking the AFC, sticking among contenders in the AFC, let's transition to the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, yesterday, I firmly believe that the best quarterback on planet Earth went to the third best quarterback on planet Earth's house, and got a W. I think Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. I think Trevor Lawrence is the third best quarterback in the NFL. And I did not anticipate with those two being on the field. By the way, with a lot of playmakers everywhere. Trevor is Calvin Ridley. He's got Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne. His brother ran wild on my balls. I don't want to talk about it. And then Mahomes, of course, has Kelsey. Sky Moore to bounce back game. And good offensive line. Not on the right side, but you get the idea. I did not see that turning into a 2006 defensive battle. I did not see a 17-9 final score, but here we are. So, if I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and I'm not, I'm a, I'm a Steelers fan, but if I were a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I would feel awesome after what I saw yesterday. Awesome. Because if you'd have told a Chiefs fan, hey, you're going to get Kelsey back, Obviously, Chris Jones is going to return to you in defense. It's a different side of the ball, but you get the, you get the point. You get some reinforcements. You get an extra couple, few days rest. Andy Reid's always great in September. Mahomes is always great in September. And you're going to go on the road and score 17 points. You've been like, oh, God, it's not a great offensive output. No, dang, we may be 0-2. Except for the fact that defense is really good. Like, it's really good. Last week against the Detroit Lions, remember eons ago? A million years ago on opening night against Detroit at home. Kansas City with no Chris Jones held the Lions to, what was it, 21 points? Because 20, I'm sorry, sorry, 14 points because seven of those came on a pick six by Mahomes off the Kandarius Tony drop. You hold Detroit, one of the best offenses in football, to 14. And this week you hold one of the best offenses in football to nine on their home field. Like literally, we're sitting here and the morning, afternoon, evening discussion around the NFL as it pertains to the Kansas City Chiefs is, man, their offense doesn't look great. 
They may want to trade for a wide receiver or something, and maybe go out, well... Tampa's probably not going to be too keen on trading Mike Evans, given that they're 2-0, but that's obviously been floated in the past as a possibility. Maybe go after somebody else. Or We're concerned <laughs> about Kansas City's offense. If I'm a Chiefs fan, I am ecstatic today. Because for the very first time in the Patrick Mahomes era, and I've said in the past, like their defense is at times... Uh, now, Mahomes' first year as a starter, was, their defense was terrible. Uh, really cost them that AFC Championship game against Brady and, I'm sorry, Brady and New England. But they've had some solid defenses. they got a good defensive coordinator. They've got some playmakers on that side of the ball. This is the first time in Mahomes' career where he has a, like, a, a defense that is potentially training to be top five in the league. Like that's If I'm Kansas City, I feel awesome. Because we've got the smartest offensive coach in the league. we got by far the best quarterback in the league. We've got by far the best tight end in the league. Our weapons are good. Sky Moore played well. A huge catch to basically seal the game. Kendaris Tony, albeit he had a fumble, but he certainly had a far better performance yesterday than he had on opening night. Offensive line's good, although Jawan Taylor, you may want to consider making a change at right tackle. Uh, now that he's not lining up at tight end and false starting every play, he's not quite as effective. Shocker, shocker. But we've got all these playmakers, the offensive side of the ball, by the way, Isaiah Pacheco as well, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And we just kind of don't have it right now. Yeah, Kansas City is going to go through the next 15 games and really struggle. They're, they're gonna, uh, they may not break 20 in um, um, multiple affairs. Kansas City can now put themselves in the conversation or the group of teams where our defense will keep us in every single game. Dallas can say that. San Francisco can say that. We thought the Jets could say that, but... Zach Wilson's our quarterback now, so we don't even know about that. I think last week to me is an anomaly, is a is, is an outlier type of, of game. Pittsburgh, I think, will be able to say that. Kansas City can say that. Our defense will keep us in every single game, and that would have that is an unthinkable thought, given the, what they've accomplished in the offensive side of the ball. So I would feel amazing if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs today. Now you look at their upcoming schedule again. They got. The Bears next week at Arrowhead, they're 13-point favorites. They should win handily, given how the Bears have looked. They got the Jets, Sunday Night Football, it's tough defense. Minnesota, Denver, Chargers, Denver. Uh, and then Miami, obviously, that big game on, on I'm sorry, on November 5th on uh, on NFL Network in, in Germany. So, you know, some tough, some tough games uh, in their upcoming schedule. A lot of divisional games. But they'll get the offense worked out. They'll be fine. I'm not worried about that. I don't think Mahomes is all of a sudden out of the MVP race after the first two games of the season. I think he'll catch up and certainly be in that discussion. But as for the guy who I did pick to win MVP, and that's Trevor Lawrence, uh, not a great afternoon for him. Not a great afternoon. Again, he was playing a great defense, but not a great afternoon for my man uh, out of Clemson. 22 for 41, 216. No touchdowns, no picks, albeit though uh, he did have uh, a couple of fumbles, one of which he lost. A QBR is 0 to 100 of 17. That's not very good. And a pass rating of 66. That is below average, so not great. Uh, and Trevor did, and listen, as I keep it real, the quarterbacks I love, I keep it real on them, okay? I'm not just going to BS you, you know, for, an hour, for an hour on this show. But the thing that was killer, killer for Jacksonville, they were awful in the red zone. Awful. Late fourth quarter. Sorry, or late third quarter, rather. Going into the fourth. They're down 14-9. Very winnable, winnable football game, of course. They drive down the field. Uh, and with a little, uh, fourth quarter just started, so 14 minutes, 48 seconds. They've got the ball at Kansas City's one. Then and they run a 
Weird quarterback run play with Trevor Lawrence. He loses three yards. Then he incompletes a pass to Calvin Ridley. Then he incompletes a pass to Zay Jones. I think the Ridley one, it was either Ridley or Jones, one of those two guys. Uh, he had him open in the end zone. He flat out missed him. And on fourth down and goal, they decided to kick the field goal uh, and make it uh, 14 to, I'm sorry, it's 14 to 6 at that point. The field goal made it 14 to 9. Kansas City goes down. They get a field goal on a long drive. I'm sorry, the Chargers, I'm sorry, the Jag Jaguars gets it back. Get it back. Trevor Lawrence got another opportunity. Down eight. Bat is on 25. They go down the field. Boom, 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 boom. First down and 10 from the Jags. 14. Incomplete pass. Second down. Incomplete pass. Third down. Uh, complete for uh, for a gain to, to Bigsby. I'm sorry, incomplete. And it got uh, reversed. Trevor got sacked on the next play and fumbled. And fourth goal incompletes Calvin Ridley. Like you had two opportunities down the red zone. Two, and he scored three points in total in a very winnable football game. Again, two things can be true, as I always say in Carving It Up Live. Kansas City's defense is really good, even better than I thought, and Trevor Lawrence didn't play very well yesterday. Now, I don't think this is an indictment to say, oh, Trevor's not a not a, an elite quarterback. Jacksonville will be fine. Jacksonville will be the two seed in the AFC, I believe, uh, or worst case, the three seed, given what Miami has, has shown us thus far, but... Listen, it, the, the upside, I guess, if you're a Jaguars fan is that, hey, yeah, Kansas City doesn't have it together, but some of that's because their defense played pretty darn well. They did. They had, a, they had one play. Dan, or Dan Orlovsky broke it down where Kansas City could have had a touchdown and Jacksonville broke up the play. Uh, I think Josh Allen, the defensive um, uh, uh, defensive lineman for, for, for Jacksonville, made a great play on the ball uh, to break it up. But if you're Jacksonville, like, hey, Held Kansas City to 17 points. If our offense had showed up today, we'd have won. And there's a very good chance that you could they could you know, square off in the playoffs. I had them facing in the AFC Championship game. I still am confident that's going to happen. That Trevor and everybody's going to get it back get get it together. But listen, if I'm going to criticize Mac Jones for having two cracks to tire win the game, I'm going to do the same for Trevor Lawrence. Certainly for Trevor, because I expect far more out of Trevor Lawrence than I expect out of Mac Jones. So. He's got to cash in there. He didn't. Jacksonville lost the game. They're now one and one, like Kansas City. Uh, the, who the Jags have next week? Jags have the Texans at home. They should win that. So, you know, opportunity to bounce back there. So, Jacksonville will be fine. I'm not worried about the Jaguars in the absolute slightest. They'll, they'll be fine. Patrick Brown in the comments, he says Kansas City will be fine. Let them get to full strength and hit the ground running. And And remember... Just a couple of years ago, remember when I think it was 2021, when they got off to that rough start first, I think they were three and four through their first seven games. They were offensively, they were terrible. Defensively, they couldn't get stops when they had to, a lot of penalties. And then through a turn of events, what do you know? Kansas City's hosting the AFC Championship game again. Like even the even the best teams go through a little slumps. And for Kansas City, their slump has been an offense. But if you're Mahomes Reed, a Chiefs fan, Chiefs organization, Chiefs player, coach. You're like, hey, you know, the strength of our team is not very good or isn't playing terribly well right now. We can fix that. We're Kansas City. We got Mahomes and Reed and Kelsey and all these playmakers. We'll be fine. We'll fix that. If this defense keep playing the way we're playing, man, we're going to be hard to beat. I picked Kansas City to win the Super Bowl in part because I, I knew that they would have a better defense. I didn't think it'd be this good. You got to feel good if you're a Chiefs fan today. I think better today than if you felt had they won... 34 to 31. Honestly, I, I think they I think they have got to feel good because Chiefs fans know the offense can be fine. They'll bounce they'll bounce back. They'll get everything, you know, set in order. By the way, so Carolina 
and um, Carolina and I should say New Orleans and Carolina kicks off in about 35 minutes. So I'll try to get the prediction in before I talk about that game. Or I'll try and get the prediction in before that game kicks off. Again, we got we got uh, Saints Panthers, we got Browns against my Steelers. Very excited about that. Uh, real quick, couple things, and then we'll go over some some NFL stuff. The other games that were played yesterday. Give a brief overview. So, Colorado looks really good offensively, at least um, in that game against Colorado State. Albeit, you lost Travis Hunter for what is been being reported as a lacerated liver. So I cannot even imagine. That, but it's no wonder the poor kid was taken to the hospital. Obviously, prayers for, for Travis Hunter. He's able to come back in the soon, field pretty soon for Colorado. Um, but listen, they took care of business, albeit in in <laughs> right at the gun, right in second overtime against Colorado State. So listen, props to Mike Norvell, or it was Mike, Jay Norvell, I'm sorry, Jay Norvell of the Colorado State Rams. He had his guys ready to play. Now, did his guys commit some... Pretty cheap shots against Shador Sanders and some of the Colorado offensive players. No question about it. But you had the the fumble recovery for the touchdown. I mean, it was a very entertaining game. Okay, there's no other situation. I should say, there's not that many situations where I'm going to stay up till 2.30 a.m. on the East Coast on a Saturday night to, to watch a college football game. But I had to see how this one ended, and it was, it was good. Now, for Colorado... So they've got, again, with no Travis Hunter, they've got on the road at Colorado, 3.30 Eastern on ABC. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, Colorado's got at Oregon, Oregon, 3.30 on ABC. Oregon's a 21-point favorite. Oregon's going to win. Like, that's, Oregon's going to win. But, I don't, God, 21's a lot. I mean, last time Colorado was a 20-point dog, they won the game straight up against TCU. Now, Oregon's way better than TCU, but let's see. ESPN's analytics gives Colorado a 6% chance to win, so not great. Um, I do think while Bo Nix is playing exceptionally well, and the Pac-12 is freaking loaded with great quarterbacks, I think Bo Nix is like fifth on the list, and he's playing great. I mean, Bo, Bo, Bo might be the best quarterback in the SEC, for all we know. Um, he, he's been excellent. Bo Nix actually played in the SEC at Oregon. Uh, I'm sorry, at uh, Auburn. Uh, but I do think Colorado has the better uh, quarterback in the game. I think they have the better coach in the game, uh, obviously with Coach Prime. But offensive line has really struggled through the first three games. I think Oregon's going to expose that, and um, that's going to be a problem. I, I actually have Colorado, uh, and I have USC making the college football playoff, at least I did before the year. I actually give Colorado a better shot to beat USC than I give them to to beat Oregon. Uh, by the way, that game against USC is a noon kickoff, at least noon Eastern uh, two weeks from now at home. So I, I, I'll i give Colorado a puncher's chance to beat USC, Oregon. That's a lot. That's a tough road test. Again, I don't I don't know if I'll take Oregon, you know, minus 21, but I have a hard time seeing Colorado winning that game. I really do. Especially with no Travis Hunter. That's no Travis Hunter, man. That's a killer. You saw his, his impact yesterday. That was a brutal, brutal loss. Brutal loss. Uh, no question about it. Shiloh Sanders, by the way, Deion Sunday, the pick six. Patrick says, the player from Colorado State should have been ejected from the hit against Travis Hunter. I agree. There was a bounty on him for sure. The Shea college football is throwing at Dion. It is, it, I, I hate it. I hate it. I mean, I said the day the man was hired, he's, he's going to turn Colorado around. I said he, they, I, I, again, I did not know that they'd be leaving the Pac-12 when he was hired by Colorado, uh, by Colorado. But I said he'll, um, he'll have them in the Pac-12 title game within two years. Uh, I don't think it's going to be this year. The Pac-12 is, is I think, the best conference. I'm, as an SEC guy, the Pac-12 is the best conference in college football. It is. 
They have the best quarterbacks. The weapons are insane. Again, I know Marvin Harrison Jr. is in Ohio State doing ridiculous things, you know, because he's because he's amazing. He's the best receiver in the in in the country. But uh, Pac-12 stacked. I don't think Colorado's winning the conference this year. But going to the Big Twelve next year, given that the Big Twelve is about to lose Oklahoma and Texas, don't discount it. I sure don't discount it. Another run through the transfer portal. Another uh, group of recruits coming in. But yes, Patrick, the shade thrown at Colorado is is ridiculous. It's beyond ridiculous. That said, I do not think they're going to be Oregon. I'll give them a puncher's chance to beat USC. I really will. And I and I got USC making the playoff. I think Caleb is is a generational talent. I just think the matchup's better against USC because USC's defense sucks. Oregon, not the case. Their defense is excellent. Okay. Also, by the way, the Shohei Otani situation. I'm listen. My Red Sox are really. <laughs> it's not going well for us right now, but. The more I'm reading from trusted sources in Boston, the more Shohei Otani pitching, at least in 2025, seeing Shohei Otani pitching and hitting on a, on a regular basis at Fenway Park seems uh, very possible. I've always thought the Dodgers were the leaders in the clubhouse, so to speak, for Shohei. But I thought I've always given the Red Sox a puncher's chance because Shohei's got some ties to the Boston organization. And we just fired Heim Bloom, thank God. So that that you know that albatross isn't around our necks anymore. Don't discount it. I do not discount it. And you would be making a mistake if you did that, if you're a baseball fan. All right, real, real quick, let's go over some NFL games, and then I'll get to the... Which one was I going to talk about? Uh, oh, yeah, the, the Commanders and Broncos game. So let's go through some of the games yesterday. We had a, the slate of 1 o'clock games was excellent. So one of the few that was not was Buffalo and Vegas. Josh Allen played well. Uh, he should play well. Vegas' defense is terrible. That's why I thought what Russell Wilson did last week was abysmal, and I'll talk about Russell in the next segment. But uh, took care of business. Jimmy G looked like Jimmy G. Josh Allen played great. Three touchdown passes. Pass rating at 124. He played excellent. Uh, Bills took care of business at home. Bounced back. On a short week. Uh, Ravens-Bengals. Can I just say... Did I not have the Baltimore Ravens in my upset of the week, by the way? Winning 27-24. And doggone it, did they not win that game 27-24? Fun fact. And I don't know what it is in the water in Cincinnati. But hand to God, you can check the record. The last two Ravens-Bengals games in Cincinnati... Because the last one before this was the playoff game that Baltimore almost won with their backup. I have predicted the final score to a T both times. 24-17 Bengals in the wild card. And then yesterday, 27-24 Ravens. I'm just saying, okay? Uh, I don't know what it is, but I I always get the always get the, the exact score right for, for Bengals or for Ravens and Bengals if the game's in Cincinnati. It's a weird thing. But Lamar looked great. Bengals are in some big trouble. And I mean big trouble. Because Joe Burrow re-aggravated his calf. And they're 0-2. And who's Cincinnati got next week? I haven't checked uh, their week three schedule. Bengals at 0-2, which they were last year and ended up in the AFC title game. Bengals have the Rams. So they're obviously better than the Rams. That's a home game. But that could be a little dicey if Joe Burrow's not able to go. I mean, we remember this organization was before Joe Burrow, but... Burrow didn't play well until the second half. Lamar looks great. Mark Andrews played well. 
Uh, listen, that that looked more like the Baltimore offense that I expected uh, with Tom Munkin calling the shots as the OC coming into the season. So uh, as much as I hate to say as a Steelers fan, Baltimore looks good, and Baltimore is um, – they looked every bit like a Super Bowl contender that I thought they would. So they're – rest assured, Ravens fans. Rest assured, my man Devin here at the Grid Network, host, the at the Bank po- host of the At The Bank podcast, Ravens podcast. Uh, on Bryson's best 10 on Wednesday, the Baltimore Ravens will be higher. Okay, rest assured. Um, Kansas, I was, I already talked about Kansas City and uh, Jacksonville. Chargers, Titans. Now, I got a kick out of this one because while I may not be a Titans fan, I live in Tennessee, so it does do my heart good to see the Titans do well. Uh, I certainly do not pull against them unless they're, they're, they're playing Dak Prescott or the Pittsburgh Steelers. But um, was that not the classic Chargers loss? I mean, the classic Chargers loss. Justin Herbert's making plays because he's Justin Herbert and he's spectacular. They look awesome. And all of a sudden... <laughs> Tennessee takes the lead. They're up 21-17. I'm sorry, 24-21. They go down the field, score touchdown, take the lead. Uh, uh, The Chargers get it back. Similar to Jacksonville, they get down to in the red zone, inside the 10-yard line, and they don't cash in. Kick the field goal. Dicker the kicker. Shout out to my man. Ties the game. Game goes overtime. This is why I'm so happy Dak Prescott no longer has to deal with Kellen Moore. This is why I love it, okay? First down for the Chargers from the 25. Deep shot to Mike Williams. Second down, deep shot thrown out of bounds. Third down, deep shot to Josh Palmer, my man out of Tennessee. They throw the ball three straight times. They don't get anything. No creativity whatsoever. And here come the Tennessee Titans. Go right down the field, walk it off with Nick Folk, walk off field goal for the Titans to win. I I did pick the Titans to win this football game uh, against the Chargers. Am I not being that? By the way, Brandon Staley after the game getting uh, really defensive, really defensive. Post game, am I not kind of being validated about the Chargers in particular? I I already know I was right about Brandon Staley. I I think the results bear bear themselves out. Um, Have I not been kind of right about Kilmore? Play calling down the stretch, suspect. That's why I said earlier in the show when Patrick, uh, my man Patrick, commented, talking about if they if they fire Staley, they'll they're, uh, you know the, the, to try and salvage their season. I'm like, no, I think it'll be just as bad because that means Kellen Moore is going to be the head coach, and that's not if they want to try Kellen Moore out a head coach. Hey, knock yourself out, but play calling once again for the Chargers, suspect, late game, not great. I feel bad for Justin. I, I, honest to God, I feel bad for Justin Herbert because this is a kid that I loved out of the draft out of Oregon, and I actually said he'd be the best quarterback in that class. While he has it, while Joe Burrow's been that guy, I think with respect to Tua Tagovailoa and what he's going to do in Miami, I think Herbert is absolutely the second best guy in that draft in 2020. But uh, get the the he got Anthony Lynn for one year, and I really like Anthony. I think Anthony Lynn's a great coach. He's better than Brandon Staley. I think that's pretty obvious by this point. But the fact that the last couple of years he had to deal with Brandon Staley and now Kel Moore, it's a double whammy. That's why when I did my strengths and weaknesses for every team, division by division, I got to the LA Chargers. What's their weakness? It's just two guys, Brandon Staley, Kel Moore. It's what they do. I mean, what's what? They, listen, if you, and then I'll move on to the next game, if you switched Mike Vrabel and Brandon Staley, you made Mike Vrabel the head coach of the LA Chargers and he made Brandon Staley the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. The Chargers would legit go 12-5, and worst-case scenario, and the Titans, with Brandon Staley, would probably win five games. 
LA's better than them in terms of talent. Ever, almost everywhere. I mean, the only situation, the only position where the Titans are clearly better is at running back with Derrick Henry. And even Austin Eckler, who's dealing with some injuries right now, but he, Austin Eckler's excellent. Derrick Henry's better. That's it. LA's better, everybody, LA's better at quarterback, receiver, offensive line, deep. This guy's absolutely clueless. But the head coach OC, clueless. Got a kick out of this one. Oh, man, oh, I'm a cheesehead. Dang it. I'd, I'd have been, geez, cheesehead Ozzy would have made an appearance today if I if I contacted him in time, but he wasn't able to make it. But the Packers had a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter against the Atlanta Falcons. Watch this game with my little sister, who's a huge Packers fan. Comments from time to time on the show. Gives it to me. You know, it's, it's fine. She's she's entitled to her opinion. But um, I, I, I got to lie, I kind of enjoyed it because Green Bay was up. What was the, what was the score of this game? Was it 24 to 12? I believe it was. 24 to 12 um, going into the fourth quarter. Atlanta's next three drives. Touchdown, field goal, field goal to take the lead. And they win the game. Green Bay, after that touchdown uh, pass, which is a good throw but from Jordan Love, was uh, three and out, three and out, four and out. Didn't get a first down the rest of the game. Loved it. Limited head coach, limited quarterback, limited roster. Now, in Love's de- in Jordan Love's defense, if we're being fair, and I don't use that word much because a fair is where you go but get cotton candy and see the, the cows and stuff, but at least as we do it at my local fair. Anyways, um... If we're being fair to Jordan Love, didn't have Christian Watson, didn't have Aaron Jones, didn't have David Bakhtiari. However, what he had around him was good enough to build a 24-12 lead. You tell me not not getting a first down the rest of the rest of the afternoon, but Atlanta 2-0, B. John Robinson looks like looks just as good as advertised coming out of uh, out of Texas, and uh, Atlanta's 2-0. How about this? If the Saints win tonight, the worst division in football will have three 2-0 teams. To start the season. That's, that's pretty impressive. Seahawks beat the Lions in a very entertaining game. Again, it's a shame this one was in a 1 o'clock window because this was my Detroit Lions. Not literally, but I did pick them to get to the NFC title game. And I did like Seattle to make the playoffs, but I like Detroit more. So no Dan Campbell sound bites this week, unfortunately. But Jared Goff threw a really bad pick six. It really kind of ended up being the difference because they went to overtime. Geno Smith p- played great, led the Seahawks down to walk it off on a field goal. I'm sorry, to walk it off on a touchdown to Tyler Lockett, who had a big-time performance. Uh, I think it was, was it Tyler Lockett. Yeah, Tyler Lockett caught the walk-off touchdown to win it in the Motor City. Seahawks with a much-needed win coming off a bad home loss to the, to the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, their 1-1 Detroit Lions, which just shattered my soul. But you got you're gonna you're not gonna win every game. But they they dropped to one and one as well. Colts beat the Texans. Unfortunately, Anthony Richardson suffered a concussion early. Did not return. I think it was a concussion. C.J. Stroud looked good. Um, you know Richardson was looking excellent before he went down. Gardner Minshew came in, finished the game off. But C.J. Stroud, thirty for forty seven, three eighty four, couple touchdowns, pass running over hundred. Uh, got really no help from his running game. So the kid Tank Dell, who my man Ryan Flowers has been going on and on about, he played well. Uh, John Mechie, God bless that man. Uh, first game coming back from leukemia. Late game. It was in garbage time, but he made a catch, his first NFL catch. So, you know, props to that young man, what he what, what he's overcome and accomplished, and hopefully we, we wish him the very best on a, a great NFL career. But Colts get their first win of the year in the Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson era, albeit Richardson didn't finish the game. Bears-Bucks uh, was... So Bucks are 2 and 0. Baker played well again. This is the worst defense in football we're talking about here, but Baker played well. 
Mike Evans looked great again. Um, I am officially selling my stock on Justin Fields. I'm out. I'm, I'm out. I I liked him. Didn't love him. Liked him out of Ohio State. I'm like, first two years, eh, offensive line's not great. Wide receiver suspect. But this offseason, they drafted him a left tackle. They gave him a running game. They gave him weapons. And the kid is missing easy reads. It's reminding me a little bit of Russell Wilson, who I'll talk about a little later. Easy reads that this guy is missing. And, and it's just bad mistakes. He had a terrible, I mean, probably the worst pick of the weekend. Terrible pick six uh, back in his own end zone. Um, I'm out on Justin Fields. I, I have sold my stock. I don't think this is overreacting. He's five and twenty-two in the NFL. I mean that that that's we can't just ignore that. He's five and twenty-two in the NFL. Like he's not he's not the guy for Chicago. Probably should go ahead and blow this thing up. Hire a new head coach. Of course, I don't even know if Eberflus is necessarily the problem. I just don't know if he's the guy to take him over the top. Maybe I could be wrong there, but. Next year's draft is freaking stacked with quarterbacks. If you're Chicago, you're going to be bad this year. I I had them as a fringe playoff team. I was wrong. My bad. You're going to be terrible this year. Win four or five games. Draft a quarterback high. Because there's going to be a lot. You're not probably not going to get Caleb Williams, although probably shouldn't discount that given how they're playing. But you're going to get a really good quarterback in the draft. Can you develop him? But it, it's, it's, not, it's not working for Justin Fields. And I really like the kid, but it's just not working. Uh, Giants with the comeback of the day, arguably at least, certainly in the afternoon window, coming back from 20 down on the Arizona Cardinals. And before you make fun of that, listen, okay? The Arizona Cardinals are quarterbacked by a man by the name of Joshua Dobbs out of the University of Tennessee. And Joshua Dobbs, my man played well yesterday, okay? 21-31-228, ran for a touchdown, threw for a touchdown, QBR of almost 76, pass rating at, 99.9, 99.9, let's go ahead and give him the, the 100 there. So, Daniel Jones, uh, listen, I, I'm not a Daniel Jones guy, but this is partly why I said his terrible performance last week had way more to do with Dallas than it did the Giants. Like, Dallas is just that good on defense. And Daniel Jones is limited. Like, we, we know he's not in the, the fact that he got $40 million, I think, is insane. But he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. He can win you some games. If you put the exact right pieces around him, he can make the playoffs, as we saw a year ago. But listen, <laughs> the Giants' drives of the second half after being down 20 to nothing, okay? Touchdown, 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 and walk-off field goal. By the way, you know what the Giants did? And I kept saying, y'all got to do this against the Cowboys. You know what the New York Giants did yesterday? They threw the ball to Jalen Hyatt. What a concept, okay? Fastest player in the NFL not named Tyree Kill, and they threw it to him. Okay, two catches for 89 yards. Had a big catch in that drive to really kind of start the comeback. Get the ball to Jalen Hyatt more, Brian Dable. Okay, you're a brilliant offensive line, uh, offensive mind. Get the ball to Jalen Hyatt. It's my guy right there. Almost single-handedly helped us beat Alabama. It was good times. Uh, Niners beat the Rams. Uh, listen, Niners look great. McCaffrey looked great. Purdy hasn't lost a start yet, so we Niners did what I expected them to do, except cover the spread, and that's not necessarily their fault. Because here's my one takeaway from this game. Well, I shouldn't say my one takeaway. The kid, um, how do you say his name? Because uh, I don't want to butcher it. Because uh, he's playing really well for the Rams through the first couple of games uh, of the season. The wide receiver, uh, Puka uh, Nukua. I think is how you say it. Puka Nukua. I think is how you say his name. Fifteen catches for a buck forty-seven. Listen, no Cooper Cup. The kid is stepping up. I did not mean for that to rhyme. But maybe we'll, we'll, we'll refer to him as that as new, uh, moving forward. Is Cooper Cup, no Cooper Cup, kid is stepping up. But he looked great. 
Rams fought him for a while. It's divisional familiarity. That's to be expected. Uh, I probably outkick my coverage in terms of expecting them to to blow, expect the Niners to blow the the Rams out. What the Rams did, though, this is what this is exactly, ladies and gentlemen. This is exactly why my statement is or my segment is called. If 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 I were a betting man. If I, because I'm, I'm not a betting man, this is why I don't bet. Because, because you got a situation where the Niners are up ten, the Rams drive down the field, the game is obviously over, and in a situation where it's a ten point game, there's just a few seconds left, literally three seconds left in the contest, game's over. Usually, you see a bunch of teams they'll just throw a hail mary and say hell with it. Let's just move on to next week. They try a 38-yard field goal from Brett Maher. And they they cover. This is messed up, okay? The people that bet on San Francisco at minus 7.5, I'm praying for y'all, okay? Because that was dirty, dirty, dirty. Sean McVay said, you know what? If I still can't beat Kyle Shanahan, that... Man, Kyle Shannon has got McVay's number. Except in NFC Championship games, which is, I guess, ultimately when it matters most. But... Sean McVay's like, if I can't beat Kyle Shanahan, I'm going to screw Niners fans over right here, okay? That is a legit rivalry. Man. By the way, real quick, uh, again, last thing on Cowboys-Jets for the day. Um, I'm not going to call this reporter out by name because I I don't want to you know, make it personal because it's not I, I don't dislike this person at all, but Dak Prescott got a, com- or got a, um, got a question at the, his press conference yesterday. And they were saying, "Hey, this is the second. Uh, the you, you, this is two straight games to start the season without an interception. You didn't do that all of last year." And I know Dak has got to be thinking his head, man. I can't escape it. And Dak literally said, "Yeah, I guess when you lead the league in interceptions one year, it just never it never leaves you. It never escapes you." It's like, guys, that's a year ago. <laughs> Are we still? <laughs> Dak hasn't thrown a pick or fumbled through two games. And we're still talking about last year's interceptions. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? This is, I mean, I know Dak's got to be thinking in his head. Man, that's, I mean, that's, that's a great, that's a wild question. We're still talking about last year's interceptions. Like, guys, he's playing clean football this year. His foot works better. He looks more comfortable. Can we move on from last year? That's fine for off-season talk. That 2022's dead and gone. We're, we're we're past that. Lord have mercy. I just saw that yesterday. I'm like, I'm like, are you kidding? Are we really doing this to Dak? Come on, get get off my man's back. A few comments here. I apologize. Patrick Brown says, "Don't feel bad about the Red Sox. My Cardinals have one of the worst seasons in franchise history. St. Louis will return in 2024. I was surprised to see the Cardinals uh, struggle as much as they did this year. It sucks too with with Molina retiring. Um, but I really like Molina. Really good guy. Obviously, all time great catcher. Um, definitely, definitely sucked to to see that happen." Uh, Grady Edwards, Kelly, my, by the way, Grady Edwards, back in the comment section. Love you, my man. Great to have you back here, commenting on carving up, uh, carving up live. You are the man. Tech, we all we text all the time, but folks, we text all the time about NBA Olympics, life, 
Good dude right there. So great to have Grady Edwards back in the comments. Just love seeing that. But Grady says, Kellum Moore is a talented play caller, but he makes very questionable decisions. Oh, listen, Kellum does design solid plays. Uh, the problem is that they look pretty when they work. When they don't, it's kind of a disaster. But yes, yeah, so you are very correct for uh, questionable decisions. Oh, interesting. Patrick, breaking news. SEC suspends three Florida players and one Tennessee player for the scuffle at the end of Saturday night's game. First of all, that's good. Um, to me, more Tennessee players should be suspended. Um, who, Patrick, who was it? Or maybe I can search this myself. Who was was a Tennessee player? Amari Thomas. Because I feel like I, I let me Google this. Because I, I feel like I need to. It probably should be Amari Thomas. Uh, let me see. But thank you, thank you for telling me that, Patrick. Because you know, obviously, that involves my balls. So I'm always wanting to, you know, stay on top of that. But. Tennessee Vols football. Let's see what we got. Let's see. Who got suspended? Did this just come in, Patrick? Let's see. Uh, okay. It's a one-half suspension, according to Wes Rucker 24-7. Uh, Wes Rucker does a great job, covers the balls. Okay, so Omar, Omar Norman Lott. Okay, I thought it was Amari Thomas, so if Amari Thomas or anybody, his family, loved ones are watching this, I apologize. I thought it was Amari Thomas who hit, uh, who made, made a really dirty play on the Florida quarterback. Run the Army's race in person at the Pentagon. Army 10-Miler general registration is now open. Go to Army10Miler.com to register today. General registration presented by General Dynamics. Register today at Army10Miler.com. Uh, Mertz. Um... It was actually Omar Norman Lett. Okay, that's who hit him. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, th thank you for telling me that, Patrick. Second of all, uh, very well-deserved. Very well-deserved uh, suspension. Because, and I love Josh Heupel, and the fact that, again, Vols fans are calling out here calling for his job. We always do this in Tennessee. We always do this in Tennessee. We always do this. When... <sighs> Vols fans are... I, I love being a Tennessee fan. I love my Vols, always will. If one thing goes wrong, we lose a game that we probably shouldn't have lost. What a fire, everybody. Fire the coach. Fire Rick Barnes for men's basketball. Fire Josh Heupel for football. Fire Kelly Harper, women's basketball. Like, guys, man, you lose sometimes. Relax. That said, what Josh Heupel did at the end of that football game to Florida is chicken, you know what. That was tweeted as soon as it happened. Um, there's five seconds left in the game. It's fourth down. I'm sorry. Florida takes a knee with, what was it? 20, 30 seconds left. Game's over. You know, Florida coaches are running out in the field, you know, to, to, you know, Florida players run out in the field to celebrate. Florida coaches run in the field to shake the play, hands, uh, players hands, all that. And Josh Heupel calls timeout. And then when Florida, again, not sure why the game was over. Florida takes the knee again. A t uh, Omar Norman Lett, who was the guy who was suspended, who Patrick brought up, comes around and just blows up the Florida quarter, blows up Graham Mertz, the Florida quarterback, um, while he's taking a knee. It was a dirty play. Even as a Tennessee fan, again, I got to keep it 100 here. Dirty play. Then it's a whole scuffle, you know, breaks out. And then you got the kid, number five, uh, Haddon, I think is his name. Number five for Tennessee, the corner is like throwing hands, got his hands up for against a Florida uh, offensive lineman. 
He, to me, he should be suspended for pure stupidity. What are you doing? <laughs> you ain't... You're, what is there, a hundred pound difference between those two? Maybe more? I mean, what are you doing? I just, I saw, I'm like, oh, God, like, of course. Yeah, we're not just, not, not only are we going to get, like, my thing is, if you're not going to win the fight, I use that word, obviously, in a football context, if you're not going to win the fight for 60 minutes, don't fight me now when there's nine seconds left in the game, okay? You know, I, 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 I kicked your teeth in for three and a half hours, now you're going to fight me. That, that, was, that was cheap by Tennessee. That was cheap by Josh Heupel. I love, love Josh Heupel. That's my guy. I think he's a brilliant offensive coach and a brilliant head coach as a whole. That was bad. Like, that was unacceptable. So, they deserve the suspensions. I, I, listen, I don't even know if the Florida players deserve all the Florida... I can't believe I'm, these words are coming out of my mouth right now. I cannot believe this. It tastes like poison. But I, don't, I think more Tennessee players should have gotten suspended than Florida players. I'm sorry. I mean, the one guy who shoved uh, the Tennessee player after Graham Mertz got hit, he should shove him. Man, man, you're out here taking cheap shots at my quarterback. I'm gonna shove you. That's my quarterback. I'm, I'm T.O. That's my quarterback. You know, you're gonna you're gonna defend your guy. Yeah, that was that was messed up. So yeah, thanks for for letting me know about that, Patrick. That was well deserved suspensions. Whew, Okay. Uh, Patrick says UT's offense looks like Kellen Moore calling plays. I didn't understand why y'all didn't run the ball. I thought we did run the ball actually, Patrick. My problem was. Um, I don't know if it's that Josh Heupel. I didn't expect to be talking this much Tennessee today, but we did just lose to Florida, so I'm I'm still kind of kind of kind of processing this. By the way, we dropped from 11th ranked team in the country to 23rd, which is I think pretty well deserved. But what was Tennessee ran the ball? I thought pretty yeah, 30 carries for 100 yards. I mean they they very much established the run. My problem with the play calling was that it wasn't creative enough was that there wasn't that many shots down the field. I mean, Joe Milton threw for 287 yards. Again, one of his touchdowns came on a deep shot to Brew McCoy. Late fourth quarter to you know make the score look halfway respectable. It's just... And the timeout usage was poor. Like It was a poorly coached game by Josh Heupel, um, which, of course, is, is rare uh, given his, his track record thus far at Tennessee. So, listen, Vols will bounce back. They'll beat, listen, they'll beat University of Texas San Antonio. Again, more on the Vol View, of course. We'll talk more about this in the Vol View on Friday's show. Um, but, yeah, that was, it was not a fun night. Colorado made it better, but it was not a fun night. And Grady says, Grady Edwards, Chicago is a bad franchise. Watch Aaron Rodgers pull a Brett Favre and go there. That would be funny. No, he's he he's a jet for life, uh, at least for the rest of his NFL life. Uh, that that seems pretty fair. That that would be pretty funny though, Grady. Okay, all of that as Panther Saints is about to kick off in five minutes. So just for the record, I have not. Well, of course, I haven't seen the game yet. It hasn't kicked off, but I've made my prediction already. I'll have the graphic for y'all when I predict the two Monday night games. But uh, by the time I predict that, the game probably will have kicked off. I will not have checked the score. Okay, the graphic is already set. I'm looking at it right now. So. Just, just for the record. Okay. So, again, we had some great games yesterday in the NFL. Like, very, very, very entertaining. Uh, one of them was the, at least the game that ended the latest in the afternoon window, at least if you're on the East Coast, the afternoon window, is the Washington Commanders and the Denver Broncos. My man Parnell has got to be happy that his Commanders are 2-0 and on the season now. Uh, Commanders Demand here on the Grid Network. Check out Parnell. He does a fantastic job for us. But, uh... Uh, Russell Wilson, Denver Broncos are up 21-3. They end up losing the game 35-33. Obviously, you had the last play of the game, which was wild. 
Broncos are down eight. Midfield, Russell, Hail Mary down the field. The ball gets tipped three times. Gets caught for a touchdown on the Hail Mary. Denver doesn't convert the two-point conversion for the record. That was an obvious pass interference. Uh, on the Washington defender uh, covering Cortland Sutton, I think that's I think it was Cortland Sutton who who rustled through the ball too. Uh, nevertheless, Washington won the game. Wild ending, but they won the game. First of all, before I get to Russell Wilson, Denver, can we just can can I sit back for a second and, and kind of I, I didn't have Washington being very successful this year. I still don't have them as a playoff team. I had them at about seven and ten. They got, they had too much. I had discussed this offseason like, hey, they may tank. They probably should tank, but in a similar in, in a different sense. They're a talented team. They've, I mean, they've got really good players in that roster. Defensive line's excellent with Jonathan Allen and Chase Young. Uh, offensively, you got McLaurin, who's really good, and Sam Howell's a, a nice quarterback. Um, we don't. I don't think we have enough uh, tape on him yet to say whether or not he's. I don't think he's the guy for Washington. But if he's a starting quarterback in the NFL or a kind of a bridge guy like a Teddy Bridgewater or Andy Dalton type player, but he's looked good in his, his first three starts in the NFL and his first two starts this season, but he played well, 27-39, 299, couple touchdowns, had a pass rating over 100, so he played well, looked good, uh, albeit he had a fumble, but you know the commanders got back on that, so props to him, and can we just, can we stop now, are we, are we ready to stop the Eric Bieniemy slander, or are we done, this whole thing about yeah, he's the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, but we know who really calls the play, Andy Reid, which is true. But you, when you consider the fact that Doug Peterson was there, Doug Peterson didn't call plays. How, how's Doug Peterson been as a head coach? He's been excellent. Doug Peterson didn't call plays and got a job. But Eric Bieniemy, you know, he's the OC, but he doesn't call plays. That's why we don't give him a job. Well, you gave you gave uh, gave Hackett that uh, head coaching job, and he didn't call plays. You gave uh, Doug Peterson the job, he didn't call plays. So, I think we're seeing Eric Bieniemy. Washington's offense looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. But to the bigger bigger part of this, the bigger discussion, Russell Wilson, the Denver Broncos. So, um, Denver's done. Their season is over. Uh, to go 0-2, it's not just going 0-2 in your first two games. I don't think Cincinnati is done assuming Burrow is healthy. And Cincinnati's better than Denver, but you get the idea. Uh, I think if Pittsburgh loses tonight, I don't think they're done. It hurt. It hurts their chances to make the playoffs a lot if you're star Irwin too. But the Denver Broncos had two games start their schedule. The quarterbacks and the opposing uh, sidelines were Jimmy Garoppolo and Sam Howell. Denver should have the better quarterback in those games. They didn't in either, and it's because of the simple fact that Russell got off to some hot starts in the first half of both of those games. Offensive line's really good. Cortland Sutton is an excellent receiver. The kid, uh, Marvin Mims, I think is his name, looks really good. Good running game. Can we check Russell Wilson's second half numbers through the first two games of the season? Because uh, they're not very good. This is, by the way, second half. This is four quarters of play. Second half last week against Vegas. Second half yesterday against Washington. One touchdown. One interception. Completes only 56% of his passes. And his pass rating is at 69, so below average. It's not good. Russell Wilson has been a bad quarterback in the second half of these games. For the record, last week against um, uh, last week for the Broncos against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Again, this is the same defense. Again, Al- Josh Allen is a substantially better quarterback than Russell Wilson. That's obvious. I think that pretty much goes without saying. But Josh Allen, to use the name of the show, carved up. 
the Raiders' defense. Russell Wilson, the second half, kicked a field goal or led a drive that resulted in three points in the second half against a terrible Raiders' defense. Yesterday against the Commanders, scores 21 in the first half, nine in the second. And six of those came on a lucky Hail Mary. Like it's time to admit now, and I was a, guys, I was a 12, I'm sorry, 14 months ago, I was as big of a Russell Wilson fan as there was. I thought I was so much Russell Wilson fan, I stupidly, I should probably stop saying this on the show because it, it just makes me look bad. <laughs> But I picked the Broncos to win the Super Bowl last year. That's how much belief I had in Russell Wilson, in large part because of the roster that was there in Denver. Now, the defense ain't great. Now, some of that is Washington. Now, they played great against the uh, the Raiders last week. They look terrible this week. Some of that is just Washington has some good playmakers and Bienemy's a heck of an offensive coordinator. Some of it's that. But offensively, you say, oh, hey, Bryce, you scored 33. So, so you, you know, you, you win the game in the first half? I, didn't, I, I wasn't aware of that. I did not know that you won a football game through 30 minutes. Russell Wilson's in a bad spot. Denver's in a worse spot. Now we can officially come to the conclusion. Last year, is it Russ? Is it Hackett? Like, who's who's the issue? And I said it's kind of 50-50. Hackett's an in-over-his-head head coach. Through the first two games of last year, he had to hire a guy, a game clock manager, a situational manager, so to speak, to 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 let Hackett know, hey, Hack, hey, 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 Nat, you should probably do this. And it's like, bro, that's your job. You're the head coach. You should be doing that stuff. He's gone. Sean Payton, future first bout Hall of Fame head coach, hands down, no question about it. Literally helped resurrect Drew Brees' career. He's with Russell Wilson now, and it kind of looks a lot like the same. Russell Wilson's regressed. Russell Wilson ain't the same guy that he was in Seattle. And a lot of that was Seattle's coaching, Seattle's personnel, and Seattle's defense. Is it any surprise that even when Russell Wilson was at his absolute peak, the let's let Russ cook days, Seattle Seahawks winning a whole lot of playoff games in that span, they weren't. Now in Denver, it feels as if whenever they do get a win, and it doesn't feel like that'll be next week because they go to Miami, it feels like they'll kind of win in spite of Russ. I don't know how, because I'm no capologist, I don't know how you move, move on from that contract because the, the terrible part for Denver, Russell Wilson's Broncos contract hasn't even started yet. This is the last year of the Seattle deal. Like, because remember, they gave Russell that insane extension. I think, I think it was like $250 million for him to play a snap for the Broncos. That contract extension hasn't even kicked in yet. So what the cap hit will be for... I mean, Denver's in a bad spot in terms of their cap, but they feel like they're kind of in that Chicago Bears situation. I'd say in even more so because Denver's got a better roster than Chicago. Denver absolutely has a better coach than Chicago. And Denver's in a division where Mahomes ain't going nowhere. Justin Herbert, whenever the Spanos family decides to actually hire an actual head coach in OC, Justin Herbert's not going anywhere. And Vegas, I mean, they're Vegas. I'm not sure if they'll ever get the quarterback position right. Maybe. But Denver, which was a once-proud franchise. Listen, we, we forget the Broncos were one of the most respected franchises in the NFL. A lot of Super Bowls, Hall of Fame quarterback in, in, in John Elway, a lot of great defenses in the past. I mean, I mean, folks, the Broncos went to the playoffs with Tim Tebow at quarterback. Like, Pey Peyton Manning saw that and was like, 
I mean, listen, I'm coming off a bunch of neck surgeries. Man, they can make the, the playoffs the guy who literally can't throw. Well, what can they do with me? Well, went to two Super Bowls, won one. Like, that's, of course, of course they were successful with Peyton Manning and at the end of his career. But they have to cut bait with Russell Wilson at the end of the season. How? I have no idea. Forget the cap situation. Who's going to take Russell's contract? <laughs> that's, that's the question now for the Broncos. Who in their right mind's taking that contract on? They're in a rough spot. Now, Sean Payton can, can go to the front office and say, hey, it ain't me, guys. It's the same Russell Wilson we saw last year. I don't know. That's that's not great. It's not great. Okay, so um, let's get to the comments here, and then we'll, we'll predict the games. Because, again, I, I'm not – almost looked at my phone for a half second there. Uh, I'll just pull up my notes. My notes, not the game. My notes for uh, for my predictions for the two games uh, tonight. Uh, one of them, which I assume, I assume is probably already kicked off in, in Charlotte. But we have a few comments here. Grady Edwards says, will Eric B. get a head coaching job if Washington makes the playoffs? I, I don't know how he doesn't. I, I really don't. Uh, if Washington, and the NFC is weak, so there is a situation which he, he does, you know, it, there's a situation which the commanders do get in. I mean, I, I guess my, so who's, Let's look at list of teams who could, you know, fire their head coach. So the Chargers absolutely could fire their head coach. Like that's, I think they sh- they should have fired their head coach last year. Um, let's see. So we got Chargers. I think the Raiders. I think Josh McDaniels potentially could be in the air. Let's see. I'm just looking at teams here. I think if, if I think of Atlanta, which they look good through the first two games, but if Atlanta kind of falls back, Atlanta could be a potential team to hire a new coach. Uh, the Bears could hire a new head coach. Tampa could potentially hire a new head coach. So what are we at now? We have three, five. I'm sorry, we have five. I think. Who else? Cardinals could hire a new head coach. That's six. I'm looking down the list here. Saints could, because I don't believe in Dennis Allen. So that's potentially six, seven teams that could hire a head coach. You're telling me there's six or seven better options than Eric Bieniemy? I have a very hard time believing that. So to answer your question, Grady, I think he absolutely, I think he should have been got, should have gotten a job, but. If, if he doesn't, this if, if the Commanders do make the playoffs, this offense continues to look like this, no, there's, man, there'd be some serious issues if he doesn't uh, get a job, uh, for sure. Patrick, Bronco, this is his saying, Broncos country, let's cry. The only team which matters in Colorado right now, the Buffaloes and the Nuggets. Just saying. Well, that, yes, no question. Buffs are the talk, talk of college football, and the Nuggets are the defending NBA champions. Patrick, Sean Payton has been on the wrong side of pass interference history. This goes back to 2018 with New Orleans. He cannot escape it in these situations. Yeah, I, I mean, I watched that play. I'm like, how? I mean, he's all over Cortland Sutton. Now that, now, that play was not near as bad as the missed interference call in the NFC title game five years back. Nevertheless, it was, a, it was definitely a miss. I'll see Grady. My man is just rubbing it in here. He says, and you picked the Rams to face him. Talking about the Broncos when I predicted them to win the Super Bowl last year. He asked, could you do a, a Russell Wilson for Aaron Rodgers swap with the Jets? I, I, I don't, I don't, first of all, I don't think Aaron would go for that. I think Aaron loves the Jets. I don't think Aaron would want to do that. For, now if you're Denver, I'd do it in a heartbeat. I'd, I'd take Aaron Rodgers recovering from a freaking blown out Achilles over Russ. I would. I, I, honest to God, Aaron going into age 41 next December, December of 24, I would take him at 41 years of age off an Achilles surgery over Russ. Who, by the way, let's, Russ is no spring chicken. He's 34 years old. Like, Russ is exactly in his, in his, in his prime years of his, of his, of his athletic career, at least historically speaking. I mean, this is the, you know, this is kind of why I say that, uh, 
This is why I say that, and when I called Tom Brady during his career, I said he's the great outlier. Quarterbacks aren't good in their 40s. They're just not. Like, Brady broke the mold. Frankly, when Breeze hit 40, wasn't he was still effective, but wasn't quite the same uh, player. Peyton never got to 40. Rivers, Eli Manning never got to I think Eli Manning never got to 40. I'm pretty sure he didn't. Grady, I'd be intrigued if Dion would consider the NFL if the Atlanta Falcons uh, came calling. He's He has been pretty clear. He's He does not want to coach the NFL. Uh, he's big on trying to to help change these kids' lives, to build a culture in, in Colorado, or you know, if he decides to go to any future destinations beyond that. But he's Dion's no BSer, and he's been pretty clear he does not want to coach the NFL. But that would be fun, though. You know, Dion started his career in Atlanta. That's where the prime time really kind of started, the high-stepping. You know, I, well, he didn't create the, I, he didn't create the Dirty Bird dance uh, back in the back of the day, but that that would be cool though if he did coach the NFL, either that or Dallas. Which again, la, okay, I swear this is the last mention of Dallas. Can we give Mike McCarthy some love, like what he's done? Like I I remember last year because I was I was not a Mike McCarthy guy twelve months ago, but I remember saying at the end of the season, I'm like, guys, if Dallas falls flat in their face, which they ended up doing, it ain't Mike's fault. I mean, it's, it's not. He won four games with Cooper Rush at quarterback. And remember, too, this is the mark of a great head coach. And Mike McCarthy is no Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, Sean McVay, Sean Payton. But this is a guy who took over in 2020. The defense was abysmal, and the team won six games with Dak missing 11 of those with the, with the ankle surgery. The next year, they won 12 games, made the playoffs, but lost immediately to San Francisco. The year after, they won 12 more games, four of them with a backup quarterback, and won a playoff game against Tom Brady before losing to San Francisco. So like every year, Dallas gets better under Mike McCarthy. And this year, this looks like the best team he's had yet. Okay, we're done with the Cowboys today. Let me take my Dak hat off. Randy Cota Prescott's the man. You know that. This is my, my little bobblehead back there. He's, he's excited. Okay, a couple of Monday Nighters. Double dip. It's not a double header uh, because one game has, I assume, already kicked off about 10 minutes ago. Please don't give me updates in the comments. Uh, I'll, go, I'll go upstairs or in the next room and watch the game. But the game is kicked off. Again, I am unaware of anything that has happened. So if we can get the, the background music playing uh, right now to predict these, these two games. All right. So the first dip, so to speak, this first double dip of Monday Night Football involves... A division rivalry. Actually, both of these games do, but this one is in the NFC South. The 1-0 New Orleans Saints, the 0-1 Carolina Panthers. Saints on the road are three-point favorites. So, here's here's what I'm thinking about this one. So, I think the Saints win the NFC South. I predicted them to do that before the season started. Uh, there's, not a much, there's not much not to like about the Saints roster. Is it the same as previous years? No. But you still have you added Derek Carr in the offseason, which was an excellent get at quarterback. You guys know I've always been a Derek Carr guy, uh, dating back to his days, obviously, with Oakland and Vegas. You have the pieces there. Chris Olave, Mike Thomas looked solid. Uh, Alvin Kamara will come back from injury eventually, but in his place, you got Jamal Williams running the football. Not a great offensive line, but good enough to get the job done. And defensively, you have Marshawn Lattimore. You have Cam Jordan. You have some really good playmakers on that side of the ball. Demario Davis as well, uh, who, by the way, for the record, has a, a future in, in in preaching, if if that's something he wants to get into. That, man, he's, he's, he's amazing as a player and as a person. But here's my problem with the Saints. Dennis Allen's their head coach. If we know anything about Dennis Allen... Look at his record. I know most of those games, that sa- most of that sample size is with the Raiders. He has a questionable head coaching history. Uh, he was their head coach last year, though. Not great. 
in-game uh, situational decisions leaves a lot to be desired. So, Saints go to Carolina. Bryce Young, not a great first game of his career. Of course, first first overall pick in the draft. Carolina's offensive line, again, to use this term again, leaves some things to be desired. I'm hearing a lot of people kind of bag on Carolina's receiving core. It's, it's not elite. I don't even think it's middle of the pack. It's not awful. It's not New England. Okay, they've got DJ Chark, who's solid. They've got Adam Thielen, who's had some 1,000-yard seasons in the past. Like, Hayden Hurst at tight end. Bryce Young's weapons are fine. If Carolina doesn't isn't successful this year, and we don't have the highest of hopes for them, it's not because their weapons are bad. I don't, I don't think that's the case. Um, the thing that concerns me for Carolina is the O-line against that Saints D-line. Um, here's what I think is the separating factor. The Saints have more talent, but on the road... In Carolina, they've struggled to win there, struggled to play well there in the past. Even in the Drew Brees era, if you look back at history, this game to me, it's kind of like Brandon Staley versus Mike Vrabel. Like the game's kind of decided by coaching. I'm going to roll with the upset here. I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers to win this football game by a final score of 20-17. to 17. So don't just take Panthers plus three. Take them to win this football game outright. 20-17, to 17, I got the Panthers. Again, this game has already kicked off. I am unaware of anything that has happened. Panthers win 20-17 to 17 in the upset over the Saints. I think a, a questionable decision late uh, for Dennis Allen cost them. By the way, against the Titans last week, who don't have a world-beating defense, the Saints at home only scored 16 points. I got them scoring 17 this week. Uh, they'll need to tweak some of the offense going into week three. But uh, I'm going to roll with the Panthers. I said the Panthers would be right on the Saints' heels to win the NFC South. I had the Saints at 9-8, uh, and eight, Panthers at 8-9. I think, once again, put up the graphic, Panthers win this one in the upset, get their first win in the Bryce Young era, of an era of which they hope will be very successful for them, given that they gave up a lot for him to draft him with the first pick in the draft. Carolina wins 20-17, to 17, and now let's get a game everybody really cares about. With respect to my man Grady Edwards, big uh, Panthers fan, and with respect to my man... And AJL, who uh, who does a great NFL show, been on his show a couple times, love that guy, who's a big Saints fan. With respect to y'all and y'all's teams, this is the game everybody cares about. An AFC North rivalry between the Cleveland Browns and my Pittsburgh Steelers. Cleveland on the road. A two-point favorite in Pittsburgh. That has not been the case, ladies and gentlemen, since 1989. First Bush was in office when that happened. Well, presidential history for you there. So Cleveland's a home, I'm sorry, a road favorite in Pittsburgh for the first time in 34 years. Even for me for my voice to crack there, I apologize. You get the idea. So I'm going to be a lot more conservative <laughs> with this prediction than I was last week. So I remember, remember I picked the Steelers. That was my if I were a Batman game. I failed miserably in that one. I said, don't just take the Steelers to cover. I think they were two and a half point dogs to the Niners. Take them, take them to win outright. They, of course, got waxed 30 to 7. Okay, so my concerns for my Steelers. So Matt Canada is inept. He is. I mean, he's we, we've had every single team since Matt Canada became the offensive coordinator in 2021. Every single team in the NFL, every single one, has had at least three 400 yard games except the Pittsburgh Steelers, who do, have not even had one. One. We have, I, I think the number was, I, I don't even have it in my notes, I don't think, from last week. I think we've had like two 30-point games. Matt Canada can't coach offense. Okay, that's my concern for this game. And Kevin Stefanski on the other side, the Browns, is a very good offensive coach. Great run designer. So that concerns me. 
Uh, Amari Cooper, who initially was reported to be out for this game, is now reported. Joe Buck said earlier today on the Pat McAfee show is going to play today. Uh, how much will be able he be able to give you? Trust me, as a former Cowboys fan, I and a, and a all-time Dak fan, you, I know as well as anybody. Amari Cooper can come, and Amari Cooper can go. He's really the Anthony Davis of the NBA. He's If we could put up, maybe I'll call him Coin Flip Cooper. Do we have the Anthony Davis uh, little bit? Here it is, okay? He's Coin Flip Cooper. Okay, he's here today. He's gone tomorrow in terms of his production. He could give you 10 for a buck 50 or 2 for 15. Like, that's the type of receiver Amari Cooper is. So I don't think he'll have much impact at all in this game. The question for Pittsburgh, with no Cam Hayward, can they stop Nick Chubb? It gets one of the best offensive lines, one of the three best offensive lines in football, which the Cleveland Browns most certainly have. Kenny Pickett bounces back. It's hard to be much worse than he was last week against some of that's play calling. I think Mike Tomlin will put a lot more emphasis on running the football with Najee Harris. Again, I think Najee only got 10 carries. Uh, I think it was Najee and, and Jalen Warren, who I really like, by the way. <clears throat> Got a combined 10 carries last week. They didn't commit to the run whatsoever. Take some pressure off Kenny Pickett. Put yourself in a position where you can't you can take the eventual shot to George Pickens, who you know the Browns, Jeff, uh, Jim Schwartz, their defensive coordinator, who's done a great job against and did so against Cincinnati last week. Going to give a lot of attention to George Pickens. Um, I'm going to close my eyes, literally. Close my eyes, hit the graphic. I'll go Pittsburgh, 24-22. In the upset. So, yes, I have two upsets tonight. Both of them being the home team, by the way. 24-22 Pittsburgh. Wouldn't it be fitting, though? Let's take the music off here. Wouldn't it be fitting, though, if... Real quick, let's go over my final scores. Again, one of these games has literally already kicked off you know, a, a little bit ago, so I'm not aware of this game uh, or the results of it yet. But I got Panthers 20-17 to over the Saints, and I've got my Steelers 24-22 over... The Cleveland Browns. Would it not be fitting? So I'm a new Steelers fan, as, as some of you, of course, know. I made an announcement, so I used to be a Cowboys fan. Spent the last couple of years as kind of a free agent fan. Still pulling for Dak, and thus, in that instance, still pulling for Dallas, but not really being a fan. Until earlier this year, I'm like, dang, I need an NFL team. I've got the Red Sox. I've got the Warriors. Tennis. I need an NFL team. Came down to Pittsburgh. Came down to San Francisco. I went with Pittsburgh. Wouldn't it be fitting if my first win, my first Steelers win I've witnessed as a Steelers fan is against Cleveland of all teams and cities? As much as I bagged on the city of Cleveland for years because I cannot stand, cannot stand Cleveland. Not the people. There's good people in Cleveland. It's not personal, Cleveland fans. It's, it really isn't. It's just I don't like your teams whatsoever. And I am, and I, by the way, I am still salty from the 2016 finals, and I'm not hiding from that. I am salty, Okay. Steelers 24, Browns 22. I feel good about it. All right. That is all the time for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by on the first day of Grid Appreciation Week. It's the one-year anniversary of the Grid Network. We're going to be celebrating all, celebrating all week here on Carving Up Live as well as our other amazing shows on the Grid Network. Of course, here on Carving Up Live. Be sure to like, to share, to comment, and to take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And as I just mentioned, you know what to do. It's Grid Appreciation Week, so you might as well go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. And of course... 
Uh, be sure to tune in tomorrow. Again, it's Great Appreciation Week, so tomorrow we're going to have a lot of fun on the 8 o'clock spot, live on the Grid's YouTube and Twitter uh, uh, channel and page, uh, or account, whatever. Uh, tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Grid Network, the 8 o'clock spot. I am the moderator. We'll have some great uh, people in. I know we've got Barry, uh, Barry Grant Jr., who's the far and away points leader, and he'll let you know about it. Hopefully he doesn't make me read any statements this go-around. I'd really appreciate that if you're watching or listening, Barry. I really don't want to have to read any more statements, okay? I don't want to do that. We're going to have some, good other, some other good contestants as well. So, great appreciation week. Very excited. Maybe going to put some throwback, carving it up clips from the last year. It's not really throwback, I guess. It's within the last year. But some sort of look back to the last 365 on the Grid's YouTube channel. So be on the lookout for that. Subscribe to Carving It Up. Subscribe to the Grid. You will, network, will not regret either decision. We'll see you. I'll see y'all tomorrow at the 8 o'clock spot at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Grid. I'll see y'all on Wednesday for Carving It Up Live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific time on Twitter and on YouTube. So hope everybody's a great week. Got a couple Monday night games. Go Steelers. We're going to beat Cleveland. Hope everybody's a great week. Please continue to stay safe. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And of course, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence here in the United States of America. We've got to, got to fix this, y'all. Got to fix this ASAP. I'm rolling with the Steelers. I'm roll. I'm, I'm just. I'm saying it over and over. Try and manifest this thing, okay? I'm going with the Steelers. I'm going with the Steelers, okay? See y'all on Wednesday. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. I'm going with the Steelers. I'm going with the Steelers. I'm going with the Steelers. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube, and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live, as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.